I always like stories that come from just people telling you something. That's 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 the best way you can find something. And this one came from a WhatsApp group. So uh, one of my producers, um, Leo Sands, was in a WhatsApp group. Plenty of conversation flowing on that. And if we're all honest, most of it was probably not worthy of a story. But someone dropped a message into that WhatsApp group and it said something like, oh my God, guys, the weirdest thing has happened to my friend. I think she's been catfished by her boss. Hello and welcome to Fishy Business, a series dedicated to exploring the lesser known side of cybersecurity. I'm Alice. And I'm Brian and we're colleagues at Mimecast. Every episode will be joined by a special visitor or visitors in this case, who are definitely not your average guests to share tales of risk, reward, and ridiculousness. Brian, this week's episode couldn't be more on brand as we'll be talking about an actual fishy business. That's right. I hadn't thought about it that way. This week, we're looking into the BBC documentary that went viral, Jobfished, about a con that tricked dozens of people to work for a fake design agency for free. This story is unbelievable, and I'm so thrilled to have two great guests to talk about this with us today. We're speaking with Catherine Nye, the investigative journalist who broke this story, and our first ever podcast guest, and of course, Mimecast favourite, renowned people hacker and social engineer, Jenny Radcliffe. Welcome both, and thank you for being with us today. Thanks for uh, having us. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be on. <laughs> Well, we would love to get stuck in. I was watching the documentary and just my mind was absolutely blown. So, Catherine, if you wouldn't mind telling us maybe a bit more about yourself, how did you become an investigative journalist? So I have been a journalist since I was 19. And um, when you start out, you do a bit of everything. But I quite quickly realised the kind of stories I wanted to do were ones I had originated myself, stories about real people, stories that hopefully uncovered something and crucially, if possible, because this is obviously not always possible, but that could try and change things and bring justice to people that felt they'd been wronged. Fantastic. What a worthy cause. Wow, and I can't wait to get into some of that, but uh, welcome back, Jenny. Um, I'm really excited to have you back on. Um, I think your the show that we had you on is actually still one of our most popular shows. And something that I wanted to ask you last time but never got around to it was, do you have a career highlight or a proudest moment that you uh, could share with us? Oh, you know what? It's a pleasure to be back. I always love being on your show. But um, I think it, I knew you were going to ask me that. And I was trying to think, and I suppose... A bit like catching, you know, I've got lots of times when um, I've felt a sense of achievement because we've stopped a con, in, you know, in progress or stopped a malicious individual, um, you know, d sort of scamming somebody. So I'm proud of that. But I think it's a really trivial one. I remember one time um, I needed to tailgate into a, into a place and there was a big sign on the door, six foot high, saying no tailgating. Um, and I spoke to a lady on the way through and said, has that sign always been there? And she said, I don't know. I said, because I'd never tailgate. I'd never let anyone tailgate. And she said, neither will I, and then tailgated me in. So I talked about not tailgating under a tailgating sign and tailgated. And I do think that that was probably, that was quite good for a Friday morning. So I, I quite like that one. 
That's absolutely brilliant. I bet you were chuckling to yourself as you were walking I, through I, thinking, I, I oh, was, I didn't give myself away, Alice, you know, <laughs> this is what you've got to be careful of. Um, and Catherine, we'd love to understand, say, for example, you mentioned at the beginning, you went into writing your own stories and finding your own stories, for example. How did you come across this story? What what maybe sparked your interest and in, and how did you find it? It was a great way to find a story to be honest I always like stories that come from just people telling you something that's 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 the best way you can find some, something and this one came from a whatsapp group so uh one of my producers um Leo Sands was in a whatsapp group plenty of conversation flowing on that and if we're all honest most of it was probably not worthy of a story but someone dropped a message into that WhatsApp group and it said something like, oh my God, guys, the weirdest thing has happened to my friend. I think she's been catfished by her boss. We then spoke to the person that was being discussed in that group and it was a woman called Gemma Brett. And she told us that she had, um, how basically she'd ended up working for a design agency called Madbird and that it was in short fake. Uh, we started investigating and everything went from there. And I think, Catherine, in a nutshell, for those who haven't seen the documentary or read about it, could you summarize what you discovered? Because when I first heard about it and the way you've kind of explained it there doesn't really capture just how unsettling the whole thing actually is. As, it as that story starts to unfold, yeah. it, it just kind of leaves you feeling quite disturbed. Do you want to just sort of take us through that a bit? So we found that more than 50 people had been tricked into working for a design company that turned out to be fake. People from all over the UK and across the world, they were hired during lockdown and they were convinced that the company was a successful business through this online universe of fake profiles stolen work and lies they were all job fished and that's the story in short and I remember Gemma who I just mentioned like brought us the story in the first place she showed us a picture of one of her supposed co-workers this was a guy called Nigel White and this is a person who she was in the brochure for the company she was working at from home that's important She'd seen this guy in the brochure. She'd seen this guy on LinkedIn. She had exchanged messages with this man, chatted about going for coffee, thing like, things like that, seeing each other when they're in the office. And this image of this guy called Nigel White was actually a stock image from Getty Images, the, the stock image library, who was basically, if you typed in Ginger Man on Getty Images, this was the man. And it was when I saw that photo that Gemma showed us that I, we knew we needed to look into the story. And I think that's actually quite incredible. You know, that's just one instance of layers and layers and layers of deception. Um, someone went to a huge amount of effort. Uh, Jenny, of all the cons you've seen, did this strike you as an unusual one? And if so, why? I mean, it, it is unusual um, in as much as we know about it. It's been exposed down to Catchin's excellent work and her team. I mean, it's unusual that there's there's no clear motive, but I mean, we're going. I'm, I'm sure we're going to get onto that and I'll talk about that after, after Catchin 
you know, speaks on that as well. I, I think, you know, it's elaborate. It's not especially smart. It doesn't have to be. Um, it doesn't need to be smart. If you tell people what they want to hear, you catch people with the right script at the right time, you know, people are going to fall for it. So it, it, in the sense that we know about it and that it's been so well researched and exposed, it's unusual in that sense. But there's parts of it that ring true throughout sort of con artistry and scams, um, which, which we can get onto a bit later. And it's funny, Jenny, that you mentioned there around the motive. And that struck me when I was watching the documentary is why would somebody want to do that? It didn't seem to necessarily be obviously money-based, um, which is quite common as to a predominant motive behind a lot of these scams. Um, and I just couldn't understand why would somebody do this? I don't know, Catherine, if, if you managed to uncover that in a bit more detail. So... That was definitely one of the things that made this story quite unusual and um, different from others that, that, to be honest, were coming out at a similar time, um, that from what we can see, no one made any money for, from it. The people that worked at Madbird were never paid anything. So they did lose earnings and their time, but they never handed over any money and they didn't have any money stolen from them. In the investigation, we confronted the director of Madbird. That is a man called Ali Ayad. And now he interviewed absolutely everyone that ended up working at Madbird. He was central to this company, this fake design agency. And he has not admitted to this. And actually instead insists he was trying to create opportunities for people during the pandemic. But throughout our whole investigation, he has never been able to tell us, he's crucially never been able to tell us anyone else who was involved in Madbird's creation and everything we found led back to him. Now, in terms of why, um, simultaneously the intriguing and frustrating thing about this story is we can't be sure. Ali Ayad has never told us why he did this and he is the one that knows. The best conclusion we could come to from a very long investigation is that this and this is not for sure, I just wanna make that clear, we do not know for sure, but the most likely conclusion was that this was a fake it till you make it, that Ali Ayad wanted to run a real design, design agency, he wanted to be the boss of this you know, impressive looking design agency called Madbird and decided rather than doing all the huge amount of work, years and years of work that goes into creating something that good, that he would fake it. And a lot of people fell for it um, and started helping him with his endeavors, let's call them. Uh, Jenny, a common reaction when people react to seeing scams like this, um, and I was one of them, I, I constantly do this in spite of the fact that I constantly get caught out, um, is that this would never happen to me. Um, you know, this is something that only someone of a certain, you know, sort of gullible level would would would. Uh, would fall for. But in a recent uh, BBC radio interview, you said something quite interesting. You said, uh, what is convincing is what we are convinced by. Could you elaborate on that? So what did you mean by that? Because it, uh, and I sort of said it earlier, it's, it's, we are all convinced by different things at different times. So, so something that will resonate with me might not resonate with you, might not reson resonate with anyone else. And you know, you, it, it, the timing of this is so clever and, and, and it's so important. He was telling people what they wanted to hear in a situation that was difficult to check. 
Um, so we're convinced by whatever is convinced and the right script will convince you, me, anybody. It's just all about timing and what, and what works. Um, and we actually see it with a lot of, of you know, essentially con artists. They, they, they find something that works and they just keep going. Now, admitting it is particularly difficult. And if even some of the people in Katrin's um, film said, you know, this is being catfished by, you know, it's, it's not a romantic attachment, but it's still similar to catfishing. Once you do that and, you, and you've got to sort of sink all those costs, your, your time, your commitment, uh, your mental energy, uh, money, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, opportunity cost, once you've put that in, it's very difficult to admit that you're wrong. What could these victims have actually paid attention to in hindsight? I mean, just like Jenny says, I want to be really clear. The people that were tricked into working at Madbird were not naive or stupid. Uh, in many instances, they were really experienced in this business, in the business of sales for some of them, in the business of marketing and graphic design for others. I would say one thing is helpful to say here that Madbird on its website, like I say, it was a design agency with a very flashy website. And on its website, it bragged uh, about being having been established for 10 years. Now, if you went onto Company's House, Madbird had not been established for 10 years. It had been registered on Company's House in 2020. And so that could have been a red flag for many people. But I will add, even in addition to that, some people had actually seen that. Some people, very impressively, had done due diligence and gone on to company's house and looked at the company and then were led to believe that the company had just changed its name. Is it also not the case that digital scams are just that much easier to pull off um, than, than in-person scams because there's a, just a lot less information coming at you? If you think about the sort of gut feel that you sometimes get when someone comes up to you and has a bit of a story, you think, oh, this person's real, this person's not real. When, when that same thing happens digitally, it's so much harder because I guess the, the sort of the body language aspects and all of those kind of clues are much, you know, the, the trails of those are just much thinner. Would you agree with that or would you, would you, would you say that that's not the case? I think I think it's different. I don't think it's easier or, or, or uh, more difficult. It's 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 just a different type of con. You know, it's a cyber enable con, in fact. Um, uh, but I just want to get back to that idea of you know this unique situation, um, if I can, because I, I just want to sort of echo what Katrin said and just talk a little bit more about that situation, because that situation when you can't look over the computer and say, you know, I got this strange email or. Yeah, I'm can you just come and look at this for me? It doesn't seem right. That isolation, scammers and criminals completely relied on that to, to elongate the con. Plus, you're in an atmosphere of fear, uncertainty and doubt. And once you throw all of that into the mix, you know, the number one reason, and I think I might even be speaking about Mindcast Research here, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, but certainly Mindcast Research backs it up, that people give that they click on links and that they open attachments and everything else. The first reason is stress and the second reason is being distracted. Now you're stressed because it was a stressful environment. There's economic pressures as well, but my goodness, were we not all distracted? <laughs> <laughs> you know, because you're just not in that place of work. We're setting up offices and kitchens and conservatories and everything else. So, you know, I, I never say your gut feeling is one thing, but when I feel something in my gut, I go to my head and I research it. The red flags for this are the same as red flags for other cons. There are four of them. You have to watch out if any time anyone gets your emotion 
going. So if it's emotional content, and this is emotional content, it's optimistic, it's hopeful. It plays on people's ambition and promise of reward. You know, the thing that we all feel is coming to us, the best job, you know, the opportunity of a lifetime. And they were careful, I think, to, to, to phrase it in that language. Um, and then we've got the urgency of it, you know, having to take the job, money adds to that, you know, people, people needing that sort of stability. And then, of course, we've got money and call to action. And if you throw all of those things in, those are the four red flags I always cite as part of every con makeup. Sometimes you only get one or two of them. Sometimes there's other things as well. But all of that was there. One of the things that was so important about this, and maybe it's even difficult to truly understand when you watch the documentary or read about Ali Ayat, the director of Madbird, is how much everyone liked him. They really liked him. They were inspired by him. He was enthusiastic. He was, his like, his passion for this company was infectious. He was caring. Like everyone had a story about their interview, which went on sometimes for, you know, over an hour with Ali Ayad. He would get personal. He'd talk about, you know, sort of his, his deep history and ask about theirs. And that was, that, that, pitch if you like the way he presented himself and the way he interacted with the uh, staff members it was different for every person it was tailored to them to make them like him do you find Catherine as well now that you've sort of delved into this cyber world obviously it being all digital that it's made you maybe a bit more aware of cybercrime for example or you know clicking on links and emails how has that kind of affected you through your your documentary and your research um so this is twofold I would say I'm simultaneously quite skeptical of everything um and can be quite untrusting and you know always want to check double check and check again but like let's not lie I am human and like Jenny says if if it lands the right time I have clicked on a link that was so obviously a scam with hindsight that is embarrassing. Jenny from your insights what do you know if, or what would you recommend in terms of checks that employees can do on say prospective jobs because you know we look into these and they're so sophisticated it makes you slightly nervous can I trust in anything yeah I don't I, they're not it's not that it's sophisticated it's elaborate right but the backstory falls apart once you start to unpick it the big tip would be run it through two people you know, before you commit money, time, resources or anything, step back. If anyone's rushing you, step back for a longer time and, you know, run it through your two most cynical friends. You know, what do you think? Does this seem legitimate to you? But we can't live our lives dictated by the fact that some people uh, go to these lengths. You, you just can't. You check what you can uh, with who you can and you step back when you see those red flags. And we had an incident of this, like one, we've had a job offer someone who was in the documentary and my goodness did I immediately think like I was terrified to pass the job offer on because what if it was someone conning again what do you think has allowed the documentary to resonate so much with so many people it feels like this story was such a story of our time it's sort of like 
the awful conclusion of the culture we find ourselves in. We've talked a lot about the, it's been called a scandemic, hasn't it? Uh, the opportunity that the pandemic gave to con people. But even more than that, if you're on social media, it's likely you post pictures, uh, content that exaggerate um, how great you are, like uh, give an impression of the very shiniest bits of your, your life. And that's what Ali Ayad did with his own Instagram account particularly. He posted this incredibly, like far more than most of us do, let's be honest, exaggerated version of himself. He made himself up to be an influencer with tens of thousands of followers, someone who'd done modeling for GQ magazine. He created a fake, much more impressive version of himself. And then he did the same for an entire company. And I think as well as coming obviously at a time when there's clearly a public appetite for these kind of stories, it also was a bit of a reflection of where we've got to. Can I just come in on this? Because this, this is she, this is 100% right. Uh, and I didn't really get to speak about it before, but we do actually categorise motive. Okay. Um, as, as con artists and professionals, we categorise. And money's part of it. Ideology is another part of it. So we get like political or even religious kind of belief is sometimes why social engineering, why scams and cons um, and sort of hustles of any kind succeed. And if you've got that ideology, you, you've got a believer. And then we look at coercion. But the, but the last one of the four is ego, right? And ego, money and fame, money and attention do strange things to people. What really is going on is that in a culture where that fake lifestyle, exactly as Catherine said, uh, is magnetic to people, and it doesn't have to, it, people sort of know there's no substance. There's kind of this subconscious passive acceptance, you know, that I don't look 25 in real life, but on Instagram, I always look great. You know, there's this acceptance of it. But the bottom line is it's never just about money. It's usually about power, ego, revenge, something. So the motive really, it lies in that individual. I think that the financial side of it was a byproduct of everything else. What he's really after is attention and accolade. And as Catherine said in the documentary in here, not prepared to work to get it. It's entitlement at its most dangerous level. But Jenny, we couldn't sort of have you on and not ask for another story from you. And I think a lot of people have a misperception of the, the role that you play and you kind of just pitch up and ad lib as you go in. But I think not many people are aware of how much work goes in. Have you often used social media or fake job interviews or some of these kinds of techniques to, to, to get information for some of the things that you do? Well, you know, again, just to say to Katrin, who, you know, doesn't know me that well, we stopped short of harm, Katrin, but actually, I actually, when I watched this, I kind of thought, oh my goodness, he's not seen something I've done, because one of the things that we used to do, um, it used to be difficult to catch very smart people. Right. So we look at emotional hooks, smart people, people who were happy in their jobs. But what we did now is that people would always be curious. So if our goal was to get them to click on a link or open an attachment so we'd access their system or give us some information so we could hook them more particularly, we were very often sent to creative types or certainly technical people like developers. An email that said something along the lines of, you know, someone has left the company. 
a colleague of yours, they've given us your name and number because you'd be a great fit for another position. And it pays like a million pounds and you only work on Tuesdays with supermodels. Are you interested? And the thing is, people are always interested, even if they love the job that they're in. Curiosity is piqued because who recommended me? What's the package? Who's hiring? You know, it, it, in some ways, it's it's professional interest in what's going on in your space. And at that point, we'd say, look, and we'd use urgency. You know, we've got a couple of days to go, but you're down to the final two or three candidates. I need you to sign an NDA and I can tell you a bit more about it. Do I send it to you personally or do I send it to your business account? And they'd always say personal, which would never work. And on it, it'd go to the business account and we'd be in. And it's just using those human characteristics. So we we always call that the headhunter scam. We did it and we stopped the catchings looking at me. I know you guys can only hear us on the podcast, but we stopped short of harm and then of course expose it. And that's a big lesson for people is that temptation, that idea of ambition and, and curiosity as to what's out there and the reward that we've got coming. Agreed is too strong a word because it's just about really recompense and you know, our jobs and our whole kind of professional lives, but it's a potent mix. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Um, We always like to end our episodes by asking our guests three simple questions. So Catherine, if we maybe start off with you, if you were to look back over your career, what advice would you maybe tell your younger self? Um, I would say be yourself a bit more when I was younger and um, a sort of up-and-coming journalist if you like (laughs) um, (laughs) I I was always trying to act older trying to act more serious more severe I dressed like 20 years older than I was because that's what I thought a serious investigative journalist looked and acted like And ever since I just chilled out a bit, acted a bit more like myself, I feel like I do better work. And there is no one way of doing this job or most jobs, to be honest. And Jenny, I know we've sort of covered this question with you before, but would there be anything that you'd potentially add or say over the last, say, six to nine months that has come to mind that you think, oh, actually, I wish I'd known that as my younger self? Yeah, I mean, of course, and I suppose it sort of t- ties in a little bit with, with with the topic of this episode. But one thing that that, that I've learned is that um, success is is magnetic, and that when you have it in whatever way you people define it to be, um, they want to borrow some of the shiny, and they want to rub it off you if possible, and make themselves shiny um, without doing the work necessarily. So unfortunately, it's quite negative. But what I'd say is, you know, be careful at your highest points because that's when you're vulnerable, and that's when you know the vultures will circle if you're not very careful, and that's a terribly kind of cynical way of looking at it but not everyone who smiles is your friend and again just like with all the scams let's just verify before we jump in with both feet and and and, and see a great deal trust great no one <laughs> except me <laughs> oh, that tattoos on my arm you can trust me catching <laughs> no one except for Jenny. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then, Jenny, something else that we've got some very interesting reading lists has kept me super busy. Uh, my Kindle's kind of overflowing with books that people have recommended. W- what are you reading or, or listening to at the moment that you could uh, share with our listeners? 
Okay, so I really have to be honest now and say that I'm revisiting some old favourites as opposed to anything too challenging because I'm actually writing uh, my own book, so I can't um, I can't take anything that's too challenging right now. But I'm revisiting a, a TV show called Firefly, which I know people are going to love, um, and lots of your listeners in uh, in tech will love Firefly. And the reason is that probably the best social engineer on screen that I've ever seen is a character called Saffron, um, and I know the script off by heart and I love her techniques um, and it's one of those things it's kind of like junk food for my brain I don't have to think about it after I've tried to write something akin to my own uh, book so I'm not really challenging myself too much right now oh I love that I'm in need of a new series so I've written that one down <laughs> heritage and, series <laughs> and you Catrin, what's sitting on your bedside table Oh, this is awful because I'm going to go for watching as well. Sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm watching Top Boy, the latest series, which is so good. Last night I was so tense during an episode. I actually was like, I think I'm going to have a stress attack. But that is a, sh- sh- like a sure sign of good TV. I was so involved. I was like actually on the edge of my seat, nearly falling off it. Um, and the other thing I'd recommend is an investigative documentary series called Murder in the Valleys. It's on Now TV and it's made by a fellow Welsh documentary maker called Owen Phillips. And it is an amazing investigation. And maybe looking towards the future this time, Jenny, maybe if we start with you, what trends do you think we might be spotting, say, looking back this time next year? Well, you know, I always say that exactly what I've said in the episodes is that, that, you know, con artists, scammers will always use whatever's in the news, whatever's in the meta environment, that will be the script. But the approach, no matter what the technology, even if it's say, for example, we say deep fakes, okay? So it's going to be lots more deep fakes. It's so easy now for us to just, you know, swap our faces with someone, create the voice fakes and that type of thing. But from a human point of view, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how you approach, even if it's in person, you know. But if my partner, if my husband walked in here now and want, you know, wanted something to do with money, asked me to do it quickly, you know, asked me to uh, call me to action and got the emotions up, I'd know something was wrong. So for me, I never like to say this is what's coming, this is the trend. It's they will use whatever's in the news, whatever human emotion they need to do, but they'll come and they'll ask you to do it quickly. They'll ask you to move money, call you to action with no time to spare with emotional content. And whether that's positive or negative, no matter how it comes to you, that's the tell and that's the time to step back ask a couple of people relax a little bit don't jump in that's the trend it's always been the trend that always will be and Catherine, maybe would you be able to share with us for example things that you might be looking at at the moment going forward and, and looking into the future of say the next six months to the next year i'm afraid not guys <laughs> oh, no spoilers <laughs> I'm looking into something very interesting. Um, big involves hundreds of thousands of pounds, but that's all I can say. Oh, mysterious. Right, we'll have to watch out and see when that comes out. You'll have to let us know and we can let all of our listeners know. Will do. Well, if it's anything, if it's anything like uh, that, sh- 
that show that we've just watched for this. If it's anything like Job Fitch, I am first in the queue to watch it. Superb, absolutely superb. I'm brilliant. Oh, thank you. I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was a brilliant piece of learning for those of us in the industry who are trying to prevent con artists and scammers. It was such a brilliant thing to watch. So I'm first in line to watch whatever you do next. 100%. Yeah, completely agree. It really shocked me and gripped me i think even though i work in cybersecurity and we shouldn't be surprised about anything anymore so uh yeah definitely well recommended oh thank you guys that's so kind and and since you won't share what you're going to be working on <laughs> where where <laughs> where can our listeners who possibly haven't watched the documentary actually learn more about it uh, about your work and and possibly watch it well, Jobfished is easy to find. Literally just Google the word Jobfished and you'll get the, the BBC long read on it. Uh, there is a BBC World Service uh, uh, radio documentary and there is the documentary on BBC iPlayer, which is soon, very soon airing internationally as well. Um, and personally, I've got a website that's katrinai.co.uk. C-A-T-R-I-N. NYE. As easy as that. And you, Jenny, uh, where can our listeners get in touch with you? Ironically, easy to find all over social media as the people hacker, or you can look at me at Jenny Radcliffe on LinkedIn, etc. And the website is humanfactorsecurity.co.uk. That's brilliant. Thank you so much, ladies, for joining us today. It was absolutely fantastic asking you all of our questions. And I think Brian and I were hooked on the documentary. So we're like, oh, I can't wait to come onto the podcast and start delving into this deeper. So thank you so much for your time and spending that time with us today. And also thank you so much to our listeners as well for joining us on this week's Fishy Business. It's really been a pleasure to have you with us. If you have enjoyed our podcast, please do leave us a review on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you're hearing this. And feel free to follow us on our Twitter page at Mimecast if you'd like to learn more about what we discussed today. Until next time, 